I hope I don't end up on some bulletin board inside the BC Lions dressing room. Don't give, your, those, don't give yourself that much credit. <laughs> for those comments. Hey, you never know. It happens. But this is it's never happened to me. But this is this is fantasy. Did you hear and, what Jeff Creever said? <laughs> uh, the picture of my, my headshot and big quote. Well, there are some pretty tasty matchups when you start looking ahead to Week 19 in the CFL. Tasty for our standpoint, anyway. When you're talking about CFL fantasy, a couple of matchups you might want to exploit in Week 19. Welcome to the CFL Fantasy Podcast, presented by Leo Vegas. Hopefully you had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend as we move closer to the end of the regular season. It's starting to get crunch time, so if you're in an individual league or if you're fighting right near the top of the overall nationwide, it's time to make the right decisions and make sure that your lineups are set and you're comfortable with them because every last point matters. Uh, As you know, go to cflfantasy.tsn.ca, set your lineup, and if you've been listening to this podcast all year long, you know what you're playing for. It's a trip for two to Calgary for the Grey Cup next month, along with a unique championship ring. Uh, this week, we're talking about Mike Riley and his injury. What does that mean for the BC Lions? A couple of intriguing matchups for Montreal and Hamilton, as we talked about off the top. Bo Levi Mitchell's trending up, the ageless SJ Green, and a whole lot more. My name is Pat Steinberg in Calgary. We've got Hannah Nordman in Calgary. We've got Jeff Creever in Toronto. And uh, Jeff, one of those matchups that looks pretty interesting on paper has particularly caught your eye for week 19. Hello, Pat. Hello, Hannah. I guess we're just jumping right into this. No exchanging of pleasantries or anything like that. But yes, a, a tasty it's matchup in the spirit of all year. <laughs> In the spirit of Thanksgiving, that just happened. Uh, it, Happy Thanksgiving. As we record here on a holiday Monday, uh, late on a holiday Monday. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there listening and, and hope you had a great weekend of football and, and family and food, uh, the three F's. And uh, yeah, this is a tasty matchup from my perspective on deck when I look at what's happening uh, as we jump into week 19 in the CFL the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Ottawa Red Blacks because we know that Ottawa has been a bit of a punching bag this year, uh, especially for fantasy teams and a little bit of an interesting idea going into this one because I talked to some people on Twitter and, and exchanged lineup ideas and one, one guy who's talked to me, Jordan Metzger, and he, he's had some success with a very specific strategy. What he's been doing the last several weeks is loading up on players from one team. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that because he's had success doing it. And to me, when I think about this this method, uh, this way of kind of, we're talking about roster construction here, but this way of building a roster, putting all your eggs in one basket on one team, you think, okay, this probably limits your ceiling. But if that team does really well, at minimum, you're going to have a really good week. And every week that he's done that, uh, and it's been six or seven weeks, pretty good sample size, he's sort of been in that 80 to 100 point range closer to the 90 to 100 point range what do you guys think of this idea and, and if you're going to do it would this be a good week with the tie cats and, and some of the prices that are out there i've done it a couple of times this year and it's terrifying because you know if that game goes poorly you're in for one of those weeks that you have to come on and talk about what went wrong because 
you might hit under 50, but hasn't really happened to me yet this year. It just makes me nervous, but I was really feeling this Hamilton play even before I looked up and uh, realized they were playing Ottawa. So yeah, I think if you're picking on a team or you are picking towards one team, this would be the way to go. It's not a lineup full of tie cats at the moment because especially when it comes to receivers, there are some tough prices to fit in your lineup. But I would say at least half of my lineup are tie cats right now. Problem is, is that, you know, the two best tie cats that you're probably putting in your lineup outside of the quarterback are, are both five-digit players because Braylon Addison is rightfully up over $10,000 and Brandon Banks remains the most expensive player in the game. So when you've got those two things working at the same time, you know, you can probably only fit one of those guys in. You're like, okay, well, which one do I choose? Do I go with Banks or do I go with Addison? And so it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting strategy. And I think, you know, I know we're talking about Hamilton right now, but if you're interested in that strategy, I think Saskatchewan has just as interesting a matchup against BC. If you're looking to do that, because, you know, with the, loss of Mike Riley and with the loss the Lions suffered against the Eskimos I think BC might be in a situation now where they might be able to be exploited so I I think it's an interesting strategy I Hannah's right like it's risky and I don't know if I've got the stomach for it I sometimes get a little anxious when I've got three guys of the same time in same team in rather at the same time so it's it's a it's a fascinating strategy but if if you have a good week, you can go higher than just ninety or a hundred. Like if if one team has a good week, you can be you can be putting up really significant points. So if you've got the stomach to do it, I, there are two matchups this week that you can sink your teeth into and feel somewhat confident that you've made the right decisions. I suppose the idea of it is you're going to get both the high end and the low end of the players in that matchup. So in the end. Uh, as long as your team that you're kind of banking on is putting up 30-plus points and, and you're talking about 400-plus yards of offense, there's a pretty good chance you're going to hit that 90-point mark. So depending on what you're shooting for, if you're going for the top score of the week, that's going to be really difficult to do because you're not going to have five or six players on your team in a defense coming up with 30-plus points each. Well, there, it's just there not have going been, to happen. There has been a week or two where, you know, three, four of the top five or six guys – are all from the same team. Those could easily get you up around the 120, 130. But again, it's not very often. Here's the scary part. Like, I'll just give you an example from last week. If you if you were to have employed that strategy, and it wouldn't have been the same thing because it wasn't as tantalizing a matchup as what Hamilton's got against Ottawa or what Sask has got against BC. But just say, for instance, you were like, you know what, I'm going to load up my team last week with Calgary Stampeders. And you put Bo Levi Mitchell in, you put Reggie Begleton in, you put Don Jackson in, maybe you went with Josh Huff as a, as a cheap option. Well, Don Jackson didn't even lead the team in rushing, and Herji Mayala was the one with the two touchdowns. So if you didn't have him in your lineup and we went with Begleton, and Rogers or Rogers and Huff or something like that. If you don't hit on the right guys and you're talking about a team that has a lot of options, then you're really in trouble. Now, the good news is for Hamilton, 
you can be pretty confident that one of Banks or Addison are, are going to have big games, especially in a good matchup like that. Like, that's a pretty good bet because they've been the most consistent or two of the most consistent players all year long. But it just goes to show you that if you don't pick the right guys and all of a sudden, you know, those guys are getting covered and those guys aren't, aren't the same options for the quarterback they usually are and somebody else opens up instead and you don't have that guy in your lineup, you're going to get burned and, and you're going to be really cursing because you still still went with the right team he just didn't choose the right players and last week you're right that strategy would not have worked for any team i'm just browsing through the top eight players for week 18 they're represented by seven different teams bc the only team with no representation in the top eight toronto the only team with two players that were in the top eight with sj green and Armonte Edwards. So it was a mishmash of, of players across the board uh, in a really tough week for a lot of fantasy players last week. So, yeah, that, that, there has to be a clear and obvious team that you think is going to put up a ton of points. But, hey, I think the strategy has some merit. I go through lineups uh, I, I, man, so many times. I can't even count. It's, it would probably be pretty sad if I did, uh, if I counted out the number of roster variations I did every week. I've got the dual monitors uh, at work, and, and hey, that's the best part. It's part of my job, right? I'm doing fantasy research, so uh, I can't get in trouble for it. And uh, guys always like to come by. I know, uh, Trevor, Trevor Stone, T-Stone, one guy always comes by. Hey, what do we got here? How's the lineup looking and, and uh, oh, our, our social... Oh, yeah, T-Stone. It, it, Classic you gotta, T-Stone. You got to know him. He's a, he's a favorite here at the league office. And, uh, and Robbie Abramson, our, our social guy, I'm always, I'm always picking his brain for advice, although in the office pool uh, it's going to start to get a little competitive because he's been at the top all year uh, along with Christina Costable. Well, I'm in second now, and I'm like half a point out of first place. I've roared back. So, um, But roster construction is, is a really big part. Uh, of success and, and strategy and all of those things and uh, thanks to Jordan for for sending me this stuff and and giving us a little bit of insight on this because I didn't think it could be this successful but for him to be pretty much putting up 90 plus points each week uh, with this strategy which by the way last week we talked about sort of that that the diversity in the top eight players or so last week was the first week he did not deploy this strategy and hey, he didn't have a lot of success last week, and, and that sort of option didn't exist to load up on one team. So, hey, it's, it's something to consider uh, if you think one of these teams out there uh, with some good matchups this week is going to put up big numbers. Uh, get all those guys in the lineup. Uh, lots to talk about. Uh, I still want to touch more on that Hamilton-Ottawa game because the Ticats, they're the Grey Cup favorites right now, according to our partner at Leo Vegas, slightly ahead of the Calgary Stampeders. Hey, why not? They have the best record in the CFL. They've been great on both sides of the ball. And, uh, well, they've had a struggling... They have an, a struggling Ottawa team on tap this week. But first... Let's take a look at the Week 18 Rewind. And it was a difficult one for a lot of players. Some of the most popular picks struggled to produce last week. John White, Shaq Evans, Mike Riley, Brian Burnham, Deron Carter were the five most chosen player, and only White was able to crack double digits in Week 18. Part of that was Mike Riley's injury. Uh, a broken wrist is what we believe sidelined him just after just three passing attempts. Lions were never able to find their form off. 
offensively. Argo's receiver, S.J. Green, was Week 18's top scorer. He hit 27 points, followed by a bargain buy in Calgary's Herji Mayala. 24 points thanks to two touchdowns. Andrew Harris rushed for 166 yards, tallying 22.6. The exact same amount of another Harris, R.J. Harris, the Red Blacks receiver who also found the end zone. Armonte Edwards, William Powell, Quan Bray got over 20, while Esk's running back Shaq Cooper just uh, just falling shy at 19.5 points. As for quarterbacks, McLeod Bethel-Thompson led the way just under 19. Chris Treveller, Vernon Adams, Logan Kilgore all came in well below their projections. Other Struggling players, uh, Chris Rainey, Devere Posey, Kenny Lawler, Jordan Williams-Lambert, Don Jackson, Rodney Smith, all those guys had four points or fewer. I feel like Hannah hasn't said enough on this podcast yet well, today. I, I kicked off the uh, all-from-one team, and then I started rifling through old lineups, and I just brought up week 15 results. And just as an example, the other way, if you'd picked on Montreal – that's the week Vernon Adams got 43 points. Jake Weineke, who was only $3,000 at the time, 27 points. Devere Posey got 26. And a $3,000 Chris Matthews got 19. So that's 116 points for a pretty cheap top four. That's pretty good. I would take that. I could, I could go along with that. The gap is closing on Western Willie at the top of our global leaderboard. We mention him every week. He's been almost a wire-to-wire leader this year, uh, but he struggled like a lot of people in Week 18, uh, posting, I say, I say struggled with air quotes here, uh, posting an 80-point week, which for him oh, no. is actually his second lowest week of the season. I know, I know, tear. <laughs> he still has a 35-point lead on second place, uh, which is now Ticats 75, closing the gap a little bit. And congratulations to our Week 18 winner because, uh, by the way, is, his name is Prison Love, uh, who despite all of the low <laughs> scores out there, uh, managed to have a really good week, 132 points. So that was a mess. Uh, that, was, that, was really, <laughs> that was really difficult. Uh, keep it together, guys. It was really difficult to navigate uh, last week with everything that happened. But 132 points led by S.J. Green, uh, Andrew Harris, and R.J. Harris. By the way, a little bit poetic that Andrew Harris and R.J. Harris had the exact same point total last week. I think that I thought that was pretty cool. And, There's some uh, team names remember, here that I that I hope have big weeks, uh, just so you have to say their name on the podcast. But that's pretty good. That's a good one. It's. It's entertaining, and I feel like I don't know why this hasn't been a segment yet. Just like the top ten fantasy team names of, of 2019, <laughs> because yes, there would be some good ones there. there no doubt about it. Uh, I, I was so close to getting through that with a straight face and just pretending it wasn't. You should have just not even brought it up. I was not expecting it. <laughs> and I had to, I had to bite my tongue there for a couple things that you said. Uh huh. Well. <laughs> Not touching it. Remember, you can compete against me. Listen, every week we mention the previous week winner. I don't care what their name is. We mention it, and that's what it is. So remember, you can compete against me, uh, Pat Steinberg, and Hannah Nordman in the podcast league. Uh, The race between the three of us, it's coming down to the finish line. I think Pat's sweating a little bit over there. I I can feel it through the line. It's getting a little worried, and it's stress sweat. It's not, uh, it's not pleasant. 
After spending most of the season in the basement, I am coming up. I'm coming up for air. I have surfaced. I can see the light. I have passed Hannah for second place. Yeah, what a comeback. And uh, I'm now just 17 points behind Pat after a 91-point week. And uh, Pat and Hannah, sorry, guys, I have to say it, 58 points and 66 points respectively um, for Pat and Hannah this week. So I, I think we're skipping the Fantasy Flash this week because it's uh, it's Monday uh, we're working late on Thanksgiving, and uh, we're 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 coming out with a podcast early this week. So let's why don't we jump right into the let's jump right into the main topics this week. All right, game one on Friday is a rematch of Touchdown Atlantic, and things got a little bit crazy last time. Nine hundred and nineteen combined yards, including five hundred thirty-six from the Argos alone. Are we expecting a repeat of this, or is it going to fall short from those kind of offensive totals last time? I was still thinking about prison love. I'm a little distracted right now. But, uh, well, yeah, a, a really big game between these teams the last time, which was funny because they started out slow, really slow in the first half. And then in the second half, they just went off. I mean, we were talking about Rodney Smith uh, having a huge game for the Argos and McLeod Bethel-Thompson uh, having – probably his best passing outing uh, of the year. And the Argos almost won the game on the last play. The ball just slipped through the hands of Armonte Edwards. Hey, I think the ingredients are all present here for a shootout, for a really high-scoring game. And we talked about uh, stacking up on Ticats earlier against that Ottawa game. But I think this Montreal-Toronto game should see two offenses uh, that can really go up-tempo, that can really put up uh, a lot of points, move the football. And two defenses that to me are a little suspect right now because I don't like the way that Alouette's defense is playing and the Argos defense has struggled all season. Yeah, I mean, this one this one looks like a really solid uh, candidate to put up some points because as much as Montreal has been a really nice story this year, they have been involved in some high-scoring games. I do think that from a fantasy perspective, you're still able to put up some points on them, especially through the air has been... Uh, an area that you've been able to exploit so far this year. So I, I think there's the way that the way that McLeod Bethel Thompson throws the ball, the way the game script has gone more often than not for the Argos, and with the big playability, whether it's Jeremiah Johnson or William Stanbeck at running back, and you know what Devere Posey and Eugene Lewis and Quan Bray can do with Vernon Adams as their quarterback. I I think Montreal Toronto's. We, we we talked about Saskatchewan as an interesting um, as an interesting play earlier. We obviously talked a lot about Hamilton against. Ottawa, but Toronto, Montreal. I, I'm not shying away from players on either side because I, I, I don't know if it's going to go exactly the way Touchdown Atlantic went when a lot of those points and a lot of those big plays happen in the second half. But I could see it being another fairly high-scoring game to kick off the week. Let's mention James Wilder Jr. quickly because he had a season-high 15 carries against Ottawa for 82 yards, just his third game this year. Uh, with double-digit carries, his previous high being 11. So is he heating up towards the end of this season? Can you see them passing the ball off to him more and more as we uh, get to the finale here? Here's, here's and Jeff, I, I'm curious to your your response to this because I wonder if for a guy like Wilder, where I don't know what exactly, there's a new management group in place now in Toronto, and with John Murphy and Pinball Clemens in the fold, I wonder 
if they start to do things and, and maybe ask for a couple of things on the field to see what they've got going into the offseason. And I'm curious if that means uh, really seeing a steady diet of James Wilder because I don't know if it's guaranteed that he's in the fold for the Argos for 2020. Um, that's a high-priced player uh, in terms of his actual salary, and, and they've got some decisions to make this winter. So I wonder if we don't see Wilder more than we've seen him at different times this year down the stretch just so that the Argos can make some decisions on what they've got and if that's the case then yeah I think he's a really interesting fantasy option the 15 carries for 82 yards against Ottawa that's not going to convince me of anything um you know let's be honest here uh they're playing the Red Blacks a team that Wilder had success against the last time they played and a lot of running backs seem to have success against and and game script going the Argos way um that was a really big factor here the last time the Argos played the Alouettes, and this is interesting because Brandon Burks was the running back then. It looks like it'll be Wilder this time around, and I agree with everything you just said. I think with pinball being there and the management change, uh, I, I think it changes the dynamic here a little bit. The thing I'm curious to see is, does James Wilder get that spark back? Does he play um, with that little bit of... Uh, that little bit extra, that little bit of extra power, that little bit of extra motivation on his shoulders. Because let's be honest, James Wilder Jr. is playing for a job right now. Because a lot of teams have running backs. There are a lot of running backs out there that need jobs. Running back position in the CFL, I mean, it, it is, it really is dime a dozen. And they will replace you in a second. James Wilder Jr., he wants to be the running back of the Argos or somewhere else next year. He needs to have a really productive end to the season because the last two years, he hasn't had it. He just hasn't had it. And call it the Argos losing a lot of games, call it them playing from behind, call it game script, whatever you want. It hasn't been there. So saw a little bit of that where he's running through guys, carrying guys on his shoulder against Ottawa, the stiff arm. I like that. I want to see more of that. Am I ready to put him in in fantasy? Not yet. Not right now. And not at that price tag either. Yeah, price is coming down. It has been consistently high, though, uh, with some pretty streaky results. Still at 7600 for James Wilder right now. So a little bit too rich for my blood. Um, SJ Green was the top performer last week. 27 points. Uh, his second best fantasy performance of the year. Um, are you looking for that against Montreal? He's just 103 yards short of that 1,000-yard mark. So there's uh, maybe a little bit of extra motiv- motivation there for him. I like S.J. Green. I still think he is a viable receiver in this league. I still think that he is a, uh, a consummate pro, and I just don't know if I can see him being a big-time, big-play option each and every week. Like, uh, first of all, I love the guy. I've loved him going back to his time in Montreal, uh, in Montreal and, and those two gray cups. And But 170 yards, that's outstanding. Do I see that being the case more often than not, especially when you've also got Darrell Walker and Armonte Edwards there? 
Uh, I don't know if I see it being quite to that degree. I, I still think I still think Darrell Walker's the best option in that offense, and, and he's a really interesting play this week. I'm, I'm certainly considering putting Walker in my lineup. Um, but I, I like SJ Green, and I'm a huge fan of the player and a huge fan of the career. I just don't know if, I, if you can expect another 100-plus yard game from him, uh, knowing the way that the season's gone for Toronto, and more importantly, just knowing who else exists there in that offense. Yeah, and that was kind of a statement for SJ, sort of saying, "Hey guys, I'm not done yet." That was a that was as dominant a receiver game uh, I've seen this season. The, the the diving catch, which was the top highlight of the week, uh, that was incredible. Anything that went in his radius, he seemed to bring in because the passes they weren't all accurate. He was picking balls almost off the ground. He was going up high, reaching behind him. He was doing everything. And it, he's just one of those guys that if the ball's near him, it doesn't matter. Defender's draped all over him. He comes up with it. So yeah, I, I still like S.J. Green and, and the slot backs. Love the slot backs against the Alouettes. They've been doing really well. Passing, uh, passing attacks, doing really well against the Alouettes lately. Uh, and I think S.J. Green and, and Rodney Smith are two guys I've got on my radar this week against Montreal for sure. Until that secondary can prove it can shut down an opposing passing attack. And don't tell me Chris Trevler last week because that doesn't count. All right, we heard it from Pat in the breakdown. Some really bad numbers from some high-priced receivers last week. Devere Posey, Shaq Evans, Brian Burnham, Darrell Walker, Ricky Collins, even Eric Rogers, all in single digits. So when you're looking at that, who's one guy who you can really trust? Because I went back to it in my lock of the week when I don't know who to pick. Let's fall back on the guy I feel most confident in. And, well, stuff happens. Brian Burnham was my guy, and there you, you did go. Say that you get last a QB week. injury. Yeah. So it ended up, even when you got the guy, sometimes he's not the guy. Who's, who's a guy you feel you could put in and trust? And let's put the asterisks on crazy injuries don't count. If they get injured in the first corner, well, you couldn't have seen that coming. Well, I, I think it's got to be between Braylon Addison and, and Reggie Bagleton, doesn't it? I mean, th- those are those are the two that have just been so consistent this year. And Addison, for me, more than anything. And he's still barely, just barely, but he's still affordable to me. So I go with Braylon Addison. There's the targets, uh, the, the volume, um, his role in that Ticats offense. I, I If I have to pick one guy to get me out of a rut, it's Braylon Addison. And we go through all of that. You mentioned Begleton. You mentioned Addison. And I'm with you on both fronts. And yet you don't mention Brandon Banks, who's having another ridiculous season. And he's probably going to finish the year as the CFL's leading receiver. It's going to be either him or Begleton because you're probably, I mean, they're going to pass Brian Burnham most likely without Mike Riley there for the rest of the season. I mean, Brandon Banks has gone four consecutive games with a touchdown. He's always between, like, it feels like every game he's between eight and 12 targets. Like, I know the price tag is high, so I'll throw, I'll throw Banks' name in there forgetting that he's an over $12,000 player, but I think I got to put Brandon Banks in that category. And going back to the last year, this has probably been the most consistent and most reliable play that you can find in CFL fantasy. It's part of the reason why you can justify that $12,000 salary. 
There's a little bit of boomer bust there, though, isn't there? There's just been two, three weeks where you'd really be upset with the the total he put up. He had a four-point week, an eight-point week, and an 11-point week. I mean, are we at the point where if you're spending... What does he cost? $13,000, pretty yeah. much, if yeah, we're rounding 13, here. Yeah, yeah. If you're at the point where that's what you're spending on a receiver, I feel like I'd even be upset with a six-catch, 72-yard, one-touchdown line. It's, it's a little no? bit that's tough fair. to swallow at the 22 to 25-point range, but that seems like his floor. The number of times he's getting between 25 and 30 is tons, and he's gone as high as the 42-point mark. And and nobody is more of a scoring threat in this league than Banks is because he's a scoring threat in the middle of the field and he's a scoring threat in the red zone. Whereas, And this is no knock on Reggie Bagleton. The guy is a ridiculous receiver. But once the Stampeders get into the red zone, I think that sometimes there's some other looks they go to before looking to Bagleton. Like Bo Levi Mitchell still trusts Eric Rogers in a big way in the in the red zone. And look, Bagleton's got seven touchdowns himself, but I, I just feel like with what you can get from Banks in in so many of the facets of the game, and it's not just the fact that he's a scoring threat. It's not just the fact he's got speed to burn. Like, everything that we know about Banks and the fact that he's been doing this now for the better part of two seasons, it's hard for me to pick against him. And he's number two in the league in terms of receiving yards with one fewer game played than, than Brian Burnham. And I think that he deserves, he deserves some, some credit. Like I don't see a whole lot of boomer bust there. I see a very, very solid floor that you can count on. And so it's not so much boomer bust. It's like boom or floor. And very rarely does he fall below that floor. Well, I'm glad we talked about this because he's been one of the most dominant players in our game, yet we've barely talked about Brandon Banks this year. I think a big part of it is because, as we mentioned, that that salary has been crazy. I think he's been up to $14,000 at one point. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, a little bit of disagreement there. I'm not not completely bought in on that where I've said, hey, this guy at $13,000 needs to be in my lineup. In fact, I don't think I've played him yet. Uh, this year and since week seven which which was around the time that Dane Evans came in he's averaged around 20 points per week which is still really good Uh, and it has has been considerably marred uh, by back-to-back performances of four and nine points respectively so uh, you know yeah Brandon Banks is definitely one of the top fantasy receivers in the game all right last topic on this matchup and then we move on Vernon Adams Jr., the highest-priced quarterback in the game, had a tough one in Winnipeg, career-high four interceptions. So the last two weeks, he's been throwing 61%, 472 yards, 7.7 yards per attempt. Uh, Two touchdowns, four interceptions. Is this bounce-back potential up against the Argos, who let up a ton of offense? I think there's a chance. I think there's a big chance that... He has as a bounce back. I just don't see the same type of difficulty in Toronto's defense as I do in Winnipeg's. I mean, we talked about it last week that you know you don't run on Winnipeg, but it's not like it's not like they're poor when it comes to defending the pass. So uh, this is still it's a really good Winnipeg team, and I know they had lost some games, and they're still adjusting to the loss of Matt Nichols and having Chris Streveler as their full time guy. But it's still a good football team. So. 
I don't look at Toronto anywhere near the same as I look at Winnipeg. I don't see anywhere near as many ball hawks in Toronto as I do in Winnipeg. And I, I think there's a chance that then Vernon Adams, especially if that game goes the way there's a chance it could with a ton of passing yards and a ton of points, I think Vernon Adams could be in for a really big Week 19. Yeah, I agree. And if this game is a track meet, like you said, uh, if the Argos can keep up, if McLeod Bethel-Thompson can have one of his good games, because we've seen good McLeod and we've seen bad McLeod, uh, if it's one of his good games, there's no reason Adams doesn't go off. It, it is a weaker defense, uh, and he does everything. He, he gets the rushing touchdowns. Uh, anything down near the goal line, it's just like with Chris Trevler. It's either a Vernon Adams rushing touchdown or a Vernon Adams touchdown pass. So uh, I'm with you, and I think that Vernon Adams Jr. has the highest seal out of any quarterback uh, any given week. You know, you talk about Dane Evans. Yeah, he's probably going to fit somewhere into that 20 to 30 point range. He's safe. He's not that expensive. Uh, Vernon Adams Jr. has a chance to give you a 40 plus point week, as he's done in the past. Game two of the doubleheader on Friday, Sask in BC, and it'll be without Mike Riley, who suffered what is believed to be a broken wrist. So that's nine out of nine starters down. Uh, does his absence pretty much put all Lions players off the table at this point? I am not considering anyone from the BC Lions right now. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's very concise and to the <laughs> point. But, you know, I look at John White, and John White's been a pretty consistent player this, month, this season. But at $8,000 and knowing that I don't have much confidence in that passing game right now, I don't think White is going to be much of a factor against an extremely difficult and improving, which is scary to say, Saskatchewan defensive front. So, yeah, I don't really, I can't, I can't with good conscience, conscience rather, think about putting any of BC's big names in there. It's, it's, I don't like the matchup. I don't, I wouldn't have even been in love with the matchup if Mike Riley was healthy. But now that Riley's gone and is not going to be playing in Week 19, I just can't do it. Yeah, and. I hope I don't end up on some bulletin board inside the BC Lions dressing room. <laughs> don't, give your, those, don't give yourself that much credit. <laughs> for those comments. Hey, you never know. It happens. But this is, it's never happened to me. But this is, this is fantasy. Did you and, hear what Jeff Creever said? The <laughs> uh, picture of my, my headshot and big quote. And, I learned yeah. about this podcast from ESPN the magazine. <laughs> Yeah, what? Mm. we won a Razzie. We won a Razzie. It's a it's big our, award. Uh, greatest accomplishment. I'll take that. We never even talked about that. It is a big award. I thought Hannah was trying to get magazines for us from. I did try to find copies, but I couldn't track them down. I mean, this is this is fantasy. So you have to look at the facts, and I think this just says how much you respect Mike Riley for what he means to that offense. And let's be honest, Danny O'Brien last game. Hey. I hope he comes out and gets it done. He's been he's been biding his time in the CFL and working hard as a backup for this very opportunity. We hear about Brandon Bridge uh, on his way to BC as well. It's been reported, but um, this is Danny O'Brien's chance to start. Last game, uh, 23 passing attempts, just 103 yards. So he couldn't get it going. Uh, 4.5 yards per attempt. Uh, that's not good. That doesn't inspire much confidence and. With that, I mean, if you don't think this Lions offense can get off the ground, yeah, that's that's a group to stay away from this week uh, in fantasy. Well, it opens a big door, an even bigger door for Saskatchewan, both offensively and defensively, and we're we're doing it again. We're having this conversation again. Who can you trust? Because after Jeff names Shaq Evans, 
the undisputed number one. He puts up less than four points in week 18. Uh, a lot of people not happy as one of the most selected players. So where do you look to in this Sask lineup for points? <laughs> a lot of people not happy. It sounds like they're all coming to my door with pitchforks. Pitchforks, I mean, torches. Be. Keep it locked. Ah, yeah, sorry, everyone. I don't know. I, to me, it's an opportunity. This is an opportunity for the Riders this week playing against the BC Lions just because of what we just talked about. If that Lions offense can't move the ball, that means a lot of offensive plays, uh, a lot of time on the field for Cody Fajardo and that Riders offense. So I don't know if the Riders are going to get a ton of play this week based off what we've already talked about, uh, potential high-scoring matchup for Toronto and Montreal uh, and the Hamilton Tiger Cats drawing the Ottawa Red Blacks. I think those two matchups are going to get the bulk uh, of the fantasy plays, the starts this week. But I think the Riders are a real dark horse to put up some big numbers uh, from a fantasy perspective. One guy to keep your eye on, no doubt about it, in my eyes, is William Powell. Because I think he's got the potential to have a huge game against a BC team that averages more than 100 yards against on the ground. Uh, opposing teams have scored 17 rushing touchdowns on the Lions this year. Like they, That's that's when they have had Mike Riley. I, I wonder if this doesn't turn into, especially if it turns into the type of game we think it might, where Saskatchewan's running away with it, then I think William Powell could be primed for a ton of touches and could be be primed for some some big time work and if that's the case he uh he could be having a really solid week in week 19 so i i think william powell is a really interesting play this week game one on saturday an all ontario matchup ottawa visiting hamilton and we talked about it a little bit right off the top but uh let's go quarterback dane evans just under eighty five hundred dollars still just the sixth highest priced starter would have been seventh if riley were healthy only Will Arndt and Danny O'Brien are cheaper. Is Evans still being undervalued? I think he's the first guy I slotted into my lineup this week. How can you not love that matchup? And how can you not? Like, There's gone are the days where, especially with Edmonton not playing in Week 19, gone are the days where you can get a, a starting quarterback that you can make an argument for. I don't know how many people are going to be rolling with Danny O'Brien or uh, Will Arndt here. I mean, it just, it's, it's not, it's, it's not, they're not good matchups and we haven't seen enough from the guys. So the low price quarterbacks or the more affordable quarterbacks have kind of gone away. So you're talking about guys who are all in the $9,000 plus range, except for Dane Evans. And Evans has done a solid job. He's not as explosive as Vernon Adams. He doesn't give you the same threat as rushing for rushing touchdowns as Adams or Cody Fajardo does. But this guy puts up yards. And when you get him in good matchups against suspect secondaries, he can pick them apart. And he's done that. He's opened up a very fascinating conversation for the Tiger Cats in the offseason. And I love him as a play in Week 19. Yeah, 10.2 yards per attempt dating back to Labor Day. I mean, it's, it's five games. It's not a small sample size. Uh, he's been well over that 350 passing yards uh, per game. I mean, it's you could make a strong case that Dane Evans has been the best quarterback in the CFL 
uh, over a span of about a month and a half now. So uh, I'm with you on that. He's one of the guys I'm considering. The only one uh, I might take over him this week is Vernon Adams Jr. Uh, I think you got to have one of those two guys in your lineup. And uh, you really pay the price for Vernon Adams Jr., but Dane Evans, like you said, Pat, he's giving you a lot of roster flexibility there because it's somehow still one of the cheapest quarterbacks. It's, it's unbelievable to me. I really think that that guy is going to give the Ticats, we talked about it before, I think he's, I think he's going to cause a tough decision for the Ticats in the offseason. He really is. He's good. The biggest thing that, that hurts him is the wrong word, but the biggest reason why he doesn't get the same type of dollar valuation as Fajardo does or Adams does he doesn't have the rushing touchdowns. I think Strevel are the same thing. Like when, when you can be a threat for one to two rushing touchdowns a game, you're going to get that higher dollar figure in terms of your value. Not to say that Adams won't run a sneak in when they're on the one, but he's not that same type of threat to turn second and nine uh, into a 14-yard touchdown run. That, that's where I think the dollar figure reflects a little bit more. There's been a pretty cheap one-two punch in Hamilton, and I think I've had one of these guys in my lineup every week for a couple months now. Jalen Acklin and Marcus Tucker, for the longest time, hovering at that $2,500 range. Now just around the $4,000 range, still pretty cheap for guys who regularly put up somewhere in the 10 to 15 point range. So they've done a really good job of filling the hole left by Luke Tasker. Have they done a good enough job to kind of keep him out of the lineup? Should he get healthy or when he gets healthy? Well, from a fantasy perspective, I really like both these players. And honestly, I think if you're the Ticats, you go with what's working. And at this point, the way that offense is humming right now, uh, I, I think it keeps Luke Tasker out of the lineup 100%. And when you're talking about in fantasy, uh, two receivers that are being targeted uh, – fairly frequently Marcus Tucker and Jalen Ackland yeah they're not likely to blow up like Braylon Addison or Brandon Banks but they're going to get you in that 10 to 15 point range pretty reliably uh, at a price of around four thousand dollars so to me if you're really loading up on Ticats this week I don't think you're going wrong getting one or both of those guys uh, in your lineup knowing that the floor is pretty good uh, and hey, for for a relatively cheap price, you're going to get some production there. More boom or bust with Acklin than there is with Tucker. Tucker's a really and has turned into a very reliable value play. He's been targeted five or more times in four consecutive games, and he's well, he's he's not the same big play touchdown threat that Acklin is. That's the one thing that Acklin brings. He's he's definitely got that ability. And and look, Tucker's a speedster too. But uh, you just I, I like the fact that he's been targeted and targeted regularly. So if I to choose between the two uh, I would go with Tucker but I think they're both really good options because there is a little bit more boom or bust you go take a look at uh, Ackland's target so far this season like he's had a few games recently where he's in the 7-8 range but he's also had a few games recently where he's in the 1-2 range so that's that you don't have that same type of fluctuation with Tucker but I do think there's a little bit more of uh, a ceiling potentially with a guy like Ackland. All right, let's try to talk about Will Arndt without bringing up Bo Jack. He threw three interceptions in his debut versus Toronto, but he also found the end zone twice and showed some chemistry with R.J. Harris and Dominique Rimes. So what are your thoughts on his first start, and would you look there again? 
I think they got to stick with them at that spot. I mean, I, I don't think there's anyone else in Ottawa that is going to inspire any more confidence. And I thought he showed some flashes. I thought he showed some good things. And at the very least, Will Arndt is proving that he's a capable backup. I'm not going to come and I'm not going to come out and say Will Arndt is a candidate to be the Red Black starter in 2020. They're going to go big game shopping uh, in, in the off season, big game hunting. I'm combining like two different, totally different things there. Uh, big game shopping, sure. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're going to try to get their guy. But I think that Will Arndt, yeah, I was impressed against the Argos with some of the things uh, that he did. And he definitely showed a willingness to go down the field. He showed chemistry with R.J. Harris and Dominique Rimes. And uh, I'm really curious to see what he does should he receive a second start this week. The thing that was most promising for me, like – he definitely made some questionable decisions. The the completion rate wasn't high. The mistakes were too many. Like there's, but that's to be expected a lot of times with a young guy learning the league. So I, you know, in this first start, I think that you can get past that. But I really liked how much he used R.J. Harris. That was the thing that was the most promising. And what I like is, and and you know, you can understand it. That's a really good receiver that we've been talking about for quite some time. But I like that there was some nice chemistry there. He targeted Harris 10 times, and he was able to hook up with some big gains on him. So that that not only is good from a Red Blacks perspective, but it's also good from a fantasy perspective if you've liked R.J. Harris's price tag and if you've liked the fact that, you know, you've got a potential number one receiver here uh, at a, you know, much less than number one receiver price tag, at least compared to some of the other players in the game. So that was the most promising thing for me, and it makes uh, it makes R.J. Harris a really interesting play going forward. Don't know if I love it this week because of the matchup, but that was certainly promising for me. Yeah, this Hamilton D has been and still is a bit of a beast. Do you wager $6,000 on a guy like that, or is there any lower price guy that you would look at I was hoping their salaries would be lower given the season they've had they're still a little bit too high for me with RJ at 6,000 and Dominique Grimes up at 7,300 the only guy don't don't sleep on Brad Sinopoli is now a little bit more of a value play because RJ Harris got targeted 10 times, Brad Sinopoli got targeted 10 times, and you, we know how reliable Sinopoli is as a receiver, and if you're talking about a lot of, especially when you're talking about young quarterbacks, and Jeff, you could probably vouch for this, but they're going to go to the safety valve more often than not, and there might not be a better safety valve than Brad Sinopoli, and, and because the Red Blacks have not been great this year, his price has steadily declined. He's now under $6,000, and okay, he only caught 5 of 10 last week. If that's up, if he gets targeted 9 times and he catches 7 of 9 and he's at 60 yards and a touchdown, that's a pretty solid play for $5,700. So he's the one guy that I'd be interested in more than anybody else this week if, if I'm talking about uh, an Ottawa play, especially from a salary standpoint. Well, if you're if you're giving me ten targets, I might be taking that. But at the same time, there are some players. He's five thousand six hundred and seventy-five dollars. There are some receivers uh, either at or a little bit below that cost that I would feel a little bit more confident rolling with. Uh, whether it's Quan Bray, um, you, you go down the list. Well, I'm going a long way down the list, and I'm not seeing Josh Huff. Uh, and another one is. Uh, 
well, Jalen Ackland. There's some names here. Rodney Smith uh, with the Argos, another one. So it's kind of that sweet spot in that uh, that four thousand to five thousand five hundred dollar range. And and I don't know. I, I some of those guys I just mentioned. I think I'd rather take a shot with them right now uh, than Brad Sinopoli. He's just been too inconsistent this season for me. All right, last game of the weekend. It's game one of a home and home between the Bombers and the Stamps. Stamps defense looking like they were last year after Jeff was not feeling them in the first half of the season. Calgary has allowed the second fewest passing touchdowns and the second fewest touchdowns offensively. So are we ready to start shying away from teams playing against this Calgary defense? I gotta say, this one hurts. This one hurts. I gotta hand it to Pat because he was right and I was wrong. Calgary's defense has been tremendous and it has gotten a lot better over the course of the season, for sure. Brent Munson uh, doing a, a great job with that unit uh, in place of Devon Claybrooks as the defensive coordinator. So, yeah, I'm really shying away uh, from fantasy teams that are playing against the Calgary Stampeders. I've got no bombers in my lineup this weekend. Uh, that includes Andrew Harris and Chris Strebler. And to be honest, it's a pretty long list of players that I would insert into my lineup over anyone from Winnipeg. A lot of that has to do, no, dis no disrespect to Winnipeg. To me, that's pure respect for the Stamps and what they're doing defensively right now. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, uh, this, this is a really impressive group right now. And what is really interesting is the matchup with Winnipeg because it's a Bombers team that is perhaps the most unique offense in the CFL. Unique doesn't always mean the most effective offense, but they definitely do things differently than anybody else. With the way they use Streveler and with the way that they use Harris, I mean, it's it's a really interesting, um, a really interesting approach for Winnipeg right now. And I'm curious to see how the Stampeders handle that and how the Stampeders go up against a guy like Streveler. My from from everything that I've seen this year, from everything Brett Monson's been able to do as that defensive coordinator, I don't like the matchup for Winnipeg, especially uh, especially knowing how tight everything is at the top of the West Division. Like both Calgary and Saskatchewan, not both, all three of Calgary, Saskatchewan, and Winnipeg are are fighting for first place here. And I just I don't know if I like the idea of crucial game. And playing the playing somebody else against the Calgary defense the way they're playing, so I'm I'm shying away from that matchup too. Well, if the Stamps' defense rounding into form wasn't scary enough, Bo Levi Mitchell also seems to be back on track. The last two weeks against Montreal and Sask, 75% completion rate, 10.6 yards per attempt. Um, do you like him against Winnipeg? Because they've also had a strong defense throughout this season. I like those numbers. I am excited about those numbers. Bo is back, baby. That's the MOP I remember. Bo Levi Mitchell is slinging it right now. Yeah, and I can totally get behind playing him uh, as your quarterback in week 19 because you can look you can pass on Winnipeg that's the one thing that you know they they can they can give up yards um so the way the bow is playing and the matchup I I don't mind that at all as a play at all that was it that was a short uh concise I like it I like it I I still don't know if Bo's in my lineup this week just because of the other options out there that's all last note Andrew Harris 
still looking like the same player he was before his two-game suspension after his positive test for performance-enhancing drugs. So do you entertain that thought? Do you want to play him against Calgary, or is it all a no-go? He's still putting up numbers. I don't like running backs in this game. I, I don't know if in this home-and-home home set with Calgary and Winnipeg, I'm going to be playing Don Jackson. I'm going to be playing Andrew Harris. I just don't like running backs in this matchup because these are the two best teams against the run in the CFL. And, and you know, I, I think that Calgary is going to be focused on uh, trying to exploit things over the top against Winnipeg and we all know that uh, if if the Bombers aren't getting it done with a running back that, that Chris Streveler will take a lot of those yards and especially inside the 10 he's going to take a lot of those yards so I, I'm not big on running backs in this matchup. Uh, Hamilton, not Hamilton Winnipeg is allowing less than 70 yards on the ground per game still Calgary's just over 90 yards. It just it doesn't shape up as a matchup where you're going to get a a lot from either Harris or anybody else that you might look at on the Calgary side of things. All right, then I think we've hit our three-minute warning. Three-minute warning now, or is it? It is the warning. This is where we make our money picks, a player who is $3,500 or less, and our lock of the week, a guy who will be in our lineup this week. So let's start with our money picks. Jeff, who you got? Who's under $3,500? Tough week for me for money picks. I've got Marcus Thigpen just because if that game ends up going the way some people would predict it will go without Mike Riley in the lineup for the BC Lions, if the Riders end up winning by a pretty big margin, you have to think Marcus Thigpen gets a little more involved than he has been, whether it's returning the ball uh, on offense, getting a few catches. Uh, the, you know, William, William, William Powell's a veteran. Give him a little breather once in a while. And Thigpen, you get him a touch, he's, one, he's always one touch away from being in the end zone. So Marcus Thigpen, now that his price has come down a lot, I like him as a money pick in the running back slot. Trending in the right direction is uh, Herji Mayala of the Calgary Stampeders, and the price tag hasn't caught up yet. Now, he had two touchdowns in Week 18 against the Riders. I don't think you should expect that from a $3,300 player, but he's been getting some better targets. He's been going over 100 yards. Uh, He did that a couple weeks ago, and I just look at him as a player that I think Bo Levi Mitchell is trusting more and more. So uh, at $3,300, you've got a really interesting player that is coming off two solid weeks in a row and even three solid weeks from a value standpoint in a row. I really like him in week 19. This one's a bit of a true money pick, a bit of a shot in the dark. $2,500. He's a returner, so you never know what you're going to get here. But Mario Alford has a punt return TD in two straight games. He's up against the Argos, who seem to have given up a lot of those. And uh, he's playing with a lot of confidence right now. So who knows? If you're really struggling, you want to throw a returner in for 2500 bucks. Mario Alford is there, and he's on a hot streak. How about locks of the week? This guy will be in our lineup. Jeff, who are you locking in? I am locking in Tyrell Sutton. And this always comes with a risk. I feel like starting a Ticats running back uh, has not always gone well this year, but I think that with the bye week, I, Sutton continues to be integrated into that offense and become a, a really big part of what they're doing. And the matchup with the Red Blacks this week dictates that he is going to get the football a lot. Uh, a lot of times it could be in the red zone. He's going to get some catches from Dane Evans. And 
the big thing for me is he's proving to be the number one back in that offense. Gradually, his role is increasing. Uh, he outtouched Jackson Bennett and Malik Irons 11 to 5 last time they played, um, just as far as carries. So I think Tyrell Sutton is the running back to own uh, this week at a pretty modest price of $6,226. I like it. He's in my lineup too. Uh, and I thought about him as a lock. I'm going to stay on the same team. I think that there's a, a big potential of a big game for Dane Evans. We talked about him already. I'll go, I'll go Dane Evans at under $8,500. He's the cheapest, reliable quarterback out there this week, and I just love the matchup against a a Red Blacks team that can definitely be had. All right. I was thinking Dane Evans too, but I'll just stick on the same team. We're all feeling Hamilton, and I'm kind of all in in my lineup right now. I'm going to go with the very high-priced Braylon Addison. Not usually locking in these guys at that kind of price, especially this early in the week, but I am – all in on this Hamilton team in this matchup. So there we go. I'm locking in Braylon Addison. Time for Jeff's final thoughts. Well, we talked about stacking our rosters with players from one team. Uh, how many tie cats do you guys have in your lineups right now? I know you have it open. Give me the rundown. I've got three. Too many. I have five. I also I have five. I have five right now. So I'd feel more comfortable at four. So it might change, but yeah, five right the problem, now. If you, go, if you go with Braylon Addison, it's really hard to get some of the other ones in. But I've, I've got one got that five. works here. All right. That's it. That's it for me. That's uh, added all my extra cents. We'll see, if, uh, we'll see if your picture is taped up in the BC Lions locker room <laughs> for week 19, uh, maybe for bulletin board material or maybe for inspiration because – You've got a really, really pretty face. Uh, That'll do it for the Week 19 edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast with the three of us moving towards the end of the season. Keep it locked on CFL.ca for projections, rankings, all the fun stuff to get you ready for Week 19 from the Roto Experts. Also, check out The Waggle presented by Sport Clips, Davis Sanchez, Donovan Bennett, CFL.ca slash the waggle getting you ready uh, for the next week in the CFL. And make sure you subscribe and listen to us every week. We're on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, or you can listen to us right on CFL.ca. And you can follow along on Twitter. Hannah is at HL Nordman, Jeff at Jeff Creever. I'm at Fan960 Steinberg. Thank you very much for listening. It's crazy to believe that after today, Uh, There will only be two more regular season editions of our little podcast. I know it's crazy to think we're sticking around for the playoffs, too. Uh, That does it. Our CFL Fantasy Podcast is presented by Leo Vegas. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope it was a wonderful weekend. And enjoy Week 19.